Now we have the children of Israel. I think it's important to realize that we have to be where God wants us to be. We don't have a choice for that. Somebody said, why can you say everybody's got to be at your church? I said, stop that. I said, wait a minute. I didn't say you were supposed to be. I said, matter of fact, I don't think you are supposed to be. But there are those who are supposed to be. And we are in captivity in a sense. Oh, what blissful confinement to be in a place where God's called us to be. And to leave, listen, to leave. If you don't believe that, then that's fine. But to, to leave is to have the blessing of God off your life. If I were to leave, the blessing of God would come off my life. Well, dang, Johnny, you had COVID, heart surgery, a kidney stone. You had a, a back surgery in 2021. I don't sound like the blessing of God to me. I'm here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I didn't say, didn't say it wasn't going to be hard. And if God is done with me and I die, I'm happy with that too. Because that death will only be an instant and I'll, I'll be able to get in line and get my well done. It's going to seem quicker. It, it, it takes longer to drive to Disney World than it would be for me to take my dirt nap. Boop! When we, there, there are some things that, that I want to talk about. I've talked about it before, you know, about make, making God mad. I think that in our society, we're so self-sufficient with our money and our insurance policies and our, you know, all those things that we do. We, we, we get in comfort, and somehow in our pea brain, we think that we had something to do with that. A guy told me this, uh, when was it? Uh, week before last. He said, well, I worked hard for everything I got. Yeah, and I said, God gave you the ability to work hard for everything you got. Oh, we, have, we can take credit for nothing. I'm going to tell you something. I used to complain to God all the time. I wanted to be like this man. I want to be tall like him. I'd have been pro. I mean, I can take you now. If I could breathe. If I could breathe. And if I could, like, run. I, I, that carnal guy, man. That flesh. He's tricky, man. He's slicker than a vacuum cleaner salesman. He'll suck you right into a bad deal. That flesh. And what he starts doing, he, he will start complaining about God. It's just your flesh. When, you're, when you, your flesh starts, plant, starts complaining about God, about our life, it's just our flesh planning and justifying our escape. Just like in a marriage relationship. Well, you know, well she's getting fat. You know, well, she don't, her hair's this. And, well, she don't cook good. She burned the biscuits again. My God, how many of you guys would at least learn, like, love to have a burnt biscuit? Well, she don't do that. Well, let me tell you what. Your carnal man is planning his escape and going to justify it because how imperfect your mate is. Let me tell you what the flesh man really wants to do. He wants to go back to his vomit and go back to his wallow. Do you hear me? Your flesh guy loves sin. And unbelievably, unbelievably, he's got you making the plans for your escape. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to get an apartment. I'm going to fix this up, get a secret, secret uh, checking account that she don't know about or he don't know about and blah, 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 blah. So I wonder sometimes, and this is what I've been asking Yahweh. How many of you are married? How many of you are just have a close friend even? Include everybody. Okay, and those of you that don't have friends, uh, it's a joke. Have you ever asked your wife or, or husband or close friend, are you mad at me? Anybody ever not done that? Raise your hand. If you've never done that, yeah, I've not, I, are you mad at me? You know, uh, did, did I do something? So sometimes I look at Yahweh and I say, hey, are you mad at me? 
we sometimes have invested everything that we have in this life. And I have to admit this. Man, those temporal pleasures of, of this life do have a tendency to hide from view the realities of life and that we are slowly decomposing as a human existence. But somehow, we make all these grandeur plans that when we get, listen to this, 65, then we're going to enjoy life. But you're not going to enjoy it without flatulence or heartburn or knees that hurt. We spent, why, don't, why, don't we, why don't we spend all of our young life retirement and then work while we're old because by the time we get too old i, I saw a, a, a funny thing on facebook years ago you know those gondolas and what's the what's the which city is it in huh in venice they were going under the bridge this guy's on the back of the gondola with his big hat and this retired couple's in the in the seats and they're both like this if we are honest about the frailty of this temporal existence, and I see it often, more and more and more and more and more, I see it because as people get older, we, we have to recognize the, the frailty of this human body. We're made to face the truth about life. And the Bible's very, very clear. It says that life at its best is vanity. And this is what it means. Empty, temporal, unsatisfying. Do you all hear what I just said? So I have to face the fact that life in any way, shape, or form ultimately is empty, temporal, and unsatisfying. And that everything in the present is really worthless in itself, however good it may appear at the time. But listen, everything eventually, ultimately, the Bible says, fadeth away and vanishes from sight. I saw a movie one time. I've seen it a couple times. It's really funny. It's with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence called Life. Ever seen that? Where they get put in prison and all that? Well, they get in there their whole life. So they had these group of friends, and they had this segment that was always so moving to me where they were playing some, I forget what song it was. It was like a 70s uh, Martin, Marvin Gaye or something like that. And they were going through these scenes and showing pictures of what happened historically, you know, like, like Vietnam War and and Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination, and Kennedy's assassination, and all that through history. And in the meantime, they would have a cameo picture, uh, or a cameo of the guys that were there when they first got there. And then all of a sudden, their picture would just fade away. And they were showing like over all these years how all these people just vanished, were just gone. See, I think we have, we're wise, or we're foolish in proportion to the way that we act upon the recognition of the fact that the things that we are, which are seen are temporal. And, but the things which are now, which now are not seen, those are eternal. Everything you see today will vanish and disappear. Now that ain't good news. Of course, that's not the gospel. The gospel is this. I can, he shows us how to get immortality. That's why it's the good news. Everybody's trying to tell everybody how to, be, how to be happy in life. How to love your life and be happy. Life will not love you back. Except a few temporal things. There's only one course that's really wise, and that's to live in harmony with what is to be and not with what is. Let's give ourselves entirely to those things taught in God's Word. Doing it halfway is stupid. Why waste your time? That involves halfway is involved loving the present, and the loss of the future. So except we surrender all, the Bible says, we can't be a disciple. We must treat ourselves as that we have really been bought with the price, and, and we are the property now of Yahweh. This is the Bible, y'all, okay? 
I don't, listen, I, I know ain't nobody wanting to hear it. But I'm trying to tell you why life really can't fulfill us. Living after the flesh, he said we die. But if we through the Spirit, listen to this, subdue the disobedience and corruptness of this natural man, we shall live. That's a powerful statement to me. Such as are after the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. Such as are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now, let me kind of give you a synopsis of something. Yahweh created the heavens and the earth, and he created it good. He said, this is good. As a matter of fact, it was so good that the word was used to describe it as a paradise. That's pretty good. I'm not talking about TV paradise, you know, a, a bachelor in paradise. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about an easy life where there's no sweat on your brow, where there's no pain in childbirth, a place of peace, a place of joy, no sickness, no pain, a place where nothing dies. I got to tell you this. I, was, I came to ask Kim this morning. When I came out, she was over there getting the coffee or something. And, and I said, Kim, I, I got to ask you a question. Do you know calculus? She said, uh, she said what's, what's his wife's name? <laughs> Obviously, she, she, she is a math teacher. So I was talking about the restoration of the earth and what God's doing, and that the earth is in a mess, y'all. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. That doesn't mean that it's going to be, uh, he's going to destroy everything in the universe and all that. No, it's going to be renewed. Now watch this. So I've always wondered about this, about when the earth was knocked off its center axis. You know that we're the only planet in our solar system that's tilted. So I'm like thinking about this. I'm like, man, so what does that mean? What, is, what does that mean? So I get this, uh, start you know, researching and find out what that meant, what happens. Well, they believed it happened when the moon hit or another planet hit the earth and the moon came off as a part of that. And that's what some people believe. And it could be true. Let me tell you, let me give you a, a theory of mine. This is what I believe happened. I believe God created the earth perfect, man. But when sin came in the earth, it knocked it for a, a whop and tilted it. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's pretty good guess. Sometimes my guesses are more than just a guess. Sometimes Yahweh's speaking to me. I found that to be true in the past. Things to know beyond our understanding, possibly. So I'm thinking about that. So I find out, well, what, what, what are the effects of, what, the, of that earth being tilted? Number one, earthquakes. Number two, hurricanes. Number three, tornadoes, pestilences. Listen to this, four seasons. I'm like, four seasons? I live in Florida, and I don't like four seasons. Do you? There's, there's many, many days that I've gone out to. I mean, it's like yesterday. My, my, some of my family went down to Disney World. 100% chance of rain. You can't do nothing then. How many of you know that rain in Florida can screw up a whole day? Can you say amen? John, would it mess up a round of golf? It, would just, it just messes everything up. Have you ever been outside, 72 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, Sunny, beautiful, beautiful day. Anybody ever loved those days? I don't, have you ever said this? I wish to, every day could be like this right here. Guess what? If the earth was tilted straight, every day would be perfect. So what about rain, Johnny? How we get rain? The same way we had it before it started raining. The Bible says through the dew and underground water. I'm like, man, we're in a jacked up world, man. Why are we, why cause it? Did God do that? No. Sin caused the world to get jacked up and causing it to rain on my golf day. Sin is the problem. And along with sin came death. 
Now this beautiful, beautiful place that Yahweh made for to start a family on is now a place that everything we love dies. Everything. A place filled with sickness and sorrow. And listen, I've, I've had people put pictures on Facebook. I know that ain't what they really look like. You go see them at your reunion, and they weigh about 300 more pounds than their picture shows. They don't really, that ain't your house. What's the name, honey, Dick, what's the name of that house we go to up in North Carolina, that, the big house those rich people own? The, uh, Biltmore. Yeah, I told that girl, I said, that's a Biltmore house. That ain't your house. I recognize it. We drove by there before. That's not your Maserati. Of all these things. So don't buy what you see that people, they're so happy. Look how happy they are. It is impossible to be happy in this world because eventually what they love will die. That could be their peace of mind, their joy, their whatever it could be. I told a guy recently, I said, listen, when you walk away from God and where he's called you to be, you may not die drop dead, but guess what? Let me look at your marriage in a year. Let me, just, let me just go back and visit what your marriage is like in the year and what your children are and where you're at and how you feel. I'm, don't be deceived by a bunch of lying people that try to convince you how happy they are. If I got to go and tell everybody what a great move of God we had at church today, it would be nothing but the truth is that we didn't have one. When they got to tell me how wonderful their wife is all the time, and I'm not against that. Maybe I should use that more. But most of the time, it's just a deficit of somebody who just does it all the time. I mean, I think it just kind of takes the, it can take the pleasure off of saying, oh, uh, life is so beautiful, wonderful, everything's great. Liar, liar, and you better be glad that it isn't true that pants are on fire because you would already have your butt scorched. So what do we do? We use all of our abilities resources and try to make this life a paradise i gotta tell you something my wife planted two bird of paradises in my yard everybody like me thinks they're banana trees they're not they're bird of paradises last year we had some cold weather i forgot to cover them they look really bad i mean but they came back this year i covered them and they got worse than they did last year oh bird of paradises aren't cheap they were this big these big old things listen we tried to have paradise in our backyard but they died. I found out that trying to make my life a paradise is in vain and worthless because I know that eventually the inevitable will arrive and all that I have, all that I love, is going to eventually vanish from my sight. So I take advantage of the day that I live in and I serve God and I love those now, today, before it's too late. Forgive me if I've ever done you wrong. Hold me, don't ever let me go because we're not promised another day. I understand that principle. So as we journey through this short, decomposing life, I'm so thankful for all that Yahweh has given us. As I said earlier, the spirit to comfort us, the ecclesia to encourage us, and the faith to endure to the end. And my prayer still remains, come quickly, Yeshua. Let thy kingdom come. Because that's our hope. So it's so easy when you're in the wilderness, and we are, in relationship to to. The example given us in the Old Testament of Moses and the children of Israel coming out of Egypt by the blood, you know, say, repentance, dead works, water baptism through the Red Sea, that whole analogy to show us exactly where we're at. We're, we haven't entered the promised land yet. And most people serve God just for the milk and honey, just for the bread. 
Yeshua was preaching to the 5,000, of course, you know what happened. He gave them bread, fed them all, and then he left and, and went and hid from them, and they came back, and he said, hey, they want him to do a miracle. Do a miracle for us to prove that you are. And he basically this, you just want some more bread. That's the only reason you're here. It's this bread. He, and then he goes on to say this. He said, I, I am the bread of life. You have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And this is what he said. Now watch. Here's Yeshua's church. Here's his ecclesia. They all left but the twelve. They all left but the twelve. Because when it came down to realizing that they weren't going to be able to have something now, they weren't going to be in the kingdom now, he said he ran from them so they wouldn't try to make him king. Because it ain't about now. So I hear it all the time. People want this life to be like we have already entered the promised land with an immortal body. We haven't yet. We are qualifying. We are under probation. I hear it all the time, man. The thing I had to deal with for me, I can, t I can complain with people. I, I'm a good complainer. I, I vocalize things out loud. I think out loud too much. But one of the things I learned a long time ago is, and, and this is what I believe you always said to me. I'm mad at you because I'm tired of you complaining. 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 Oh, but this ain't happening. That ain't it. We ain't got this. We're this. What about him? Look at them. Look at them. <laughs> and it, it made me mad at preachers. I found out really I wasn't really mad. Probably jealous. Did I say probably? That's probably not right. Yeah, but what about that? You know what? Me, I'm this, 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 this. Complain, complain, complain. Blaming God is a common response. Of course it is when life don't go our way. We're tempted to blame God when suffering comes, even though the Bible says we're going to have it. It's one of the baptisms. But we think we've already passed from life to death and that we're, we're going to have a paradise now. We're going to have immortal bodies now. Look, your body is going to get sick. You are going to die of some kind of sickness. It might be a respiratory disorder to where you just quit breathing. It's death. But people just, man, they're trying to suck on this thing and get something out of, they're trying to get blood out of this turnip, and there ain't none. And then we live a life of disappointment. We, th this is what Yahweh really busted me with years ago with this. He said that I was taking Job's wife, Job's wife's advice. Like, what? Well, there's many questions I had and many things I had to face in my life and say, well, what about this and what about that and what about that? And I'm, I'm this because my desire back then was to, to really be where I could heal people and have miracles and things like that. I mean, I was after it hard and spent years fasted, sprayed in tongues for weeks, fasted for many, many, many days trying to get that power. Well, I'm going to tell you what, there's only one cure for our flesh, and that's the resurrection. What does she say? Curse God and die, fool. Curse God and die. And I didn't know, but subconscious, in my subconscious, I was basically saying that because I, was, I would think about, hey, guess what? I, it, see, because we think God's like our, our partner. You know, that we're going to do like maybe a woman would do to her husband. She would defraud him and, and deny him a sexual uh, relationship if, she don't, if he don't do what she wants him to do. And vice versa, men do it other way, other ways. Silent treatment, maybe. Well, they just tell God, okay, I'm not going to serve you then. <laughs> what a fool. You know what God's like? Okay, I divorced Israel. I'll divorce you too. Now I changed my mind. See, but I thought that God is supposedly be in control of everything. Aren't you in control of everything, Johnny? 
I can't even control you. Don't hear me today. I say me, I'm talking about you. I'm just using me as an example not to have to call your name out. God can't even control us. God can't even control my thoughts. He can't control my love and my desire and what he really wants. Because he really wants us to put him first because he knows if you don't, then you're going to suffer damnation. It's going to be harder than you ever think. You think it's hard living for God? Try living without God. Just try it. Be careful. We've taken it for granted so long of his mercy and goodness. Look, I thought he was in control. You could have stopped what happens. You could have changed the situation. Listen to this. To benefit me. Instead of me having the mindset that my every situation I should respond to that benefits him. Since you didn't, and you could have, you can do anything, and you say you're good, you're to blame. Who else, who else am I going to blame? I surely wasn't ready to look at the, the heart, my own heart, and see that, you know what, there's a lot of crap in here that I'm in sin about because my heart would lie to me. Because I was so enamored about what I thought I was doing to please God, I miss these little things that God says are sin. Man, sin, Adam came into this world, baby. Sin is the root of all heartache and pain. It ain't God. Every good and perfect thing comes from God. Y'all hear me? If you see something bad, don't think it's God doing it or causing it or anything. It's, it's all good things. Sin, the, the, root of, the root of everything bad. Earthquakes. It's because of sin rocked the world. And I tell you, it, it brought devastation and disaster into a world that God wanted was a perfect world. God wanted a world where it was easy. God wanted a world that, that, that he'd wipe the sweat off your brow. And wouldn't, you didn't have to, it would be more of a joy to have, have uh, children than it is now. God made these bodies out of the dirt, and he didn't create your bodies to live under the law of sin and death. Hello? I said, you weren't created to live under the law of sin and death, but that's where we're at. Adam's sin is killing our bodies. Adam's sin, sin is what's killing our life. So to cure that, Yahweh gave us one, gave us a new one. He said, I'm going to give you a new body so, you will, so it can be delivered from this law that's killing all of you. And that is the resurrection. If you quit, before you qualify, then you're just going to stay dead. But you will be resurrected to be judged, and it won't just be a little slap on the hand. Resurrection is God's solution for all our problems. And the solution for what the Bible refers to as the devil, which is your body of sin. Romans 8, 5 says, so stop sinning and stop refusing to let God control you. It doesn't help your situation, guys, to be lukewarm and to live in sin, willful sin, even though you've justified it. And let's... Stop blaming God. God's trying to help us here. There's some reasons why Yahweh might be mad at us. Number one, because we don't have any faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is, faith is the ability, you know, uh, I was asking her about calculus. Because I don't understand calculus. I don't understand it. But guess what? I know it's real. And they put people in outer space and satellites and all that stuff. They understand life. You know, I love, I love Newton, man. Newton's three laws of inertia and all the, all, I mean, I love that stuff, but he all figured it out by calculus. By the way, Newton studied more on the Bible than he did on math, and he agrees with me doctrinally. He's a smart man. We don't have faith, man. We, we used to have it, but we've let the, I gotta be, I gotta have this. Well, the Jones have, a, have that, and I wanna have that. 
Jones has got that, I'm going to have that. In our mind, we can't, we can't allow ourselves to, to be fulfilled in what God is pleased with because we got to make sure from our insecurities that we got to make sure that everybody in our family and our friends know that we're successful and damn it, we're happy. I tried to get through it, but I couldn't. I'm happy, look at me. I'm happier than you. And I know what? If I ain't happy, I know it's going to make you happy. To get something better than you. At least get something as good as you to prove you that I'm happy. It's backslidden. When you start making your own plans for your own life, <laughs> lots of luck with that. Because you will build your house on sand. And it's just going to fall down. I know people that, man, I one couple I'm thinking about right now. They believe that all their problems will be solved if they ever get to move to the mountains. And I'm going to tell you what, if they move there, I've seen their lot. It's going to take a miracle to build a house on that side of that hill like that. I'm like, dude, that, this is what you're willing to, to give up the gospel for and immortality for. I get the mountain. I'm on the mountain. I love the mountain. There's peace on the mountain. Join the mountain. If I go to the mountain. And then over here. No, I'm going to the beach. If I go to the, I, my granddaughter, Gugu, whose birthday is today, five years old, even though she wasn't allowed. And there's somebody else that's about 10, 15 times older than that here today. Who else's birthday? Real old person. Oh, oh, Kim Johnson's birthday's today, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying hallelujah. Y'all, we, we got your wheelchair, or, I mean, your walker ordered, so we got you for that. So Gugu says the other day, I like the mountains better than the beach. Oh, my God, i got to deliver this kid from that mentality that you think the beach. I always told you this. Look, the beach is never going to deliver you because you, you, you can't get away from you. You can go to the moon, but you're, it's you that's there. It's in our hearts and in our minds that who we are that God's trying to deliver us from. And then another reason he gets mad at us, because you've got some of his stuff hidden under your tent. Listen to him. Erwin must have forgot the other day. He walked out to his shed with him. I looked, and like all my stuff was in there. I'm joking. You've got some Yahweh stuff under your tent. Y'all know the analogy I'm, I'm talking about? Achan, who he took. Just little stuff. Coins, you know, a postcard, you know, uh, whatever. One, he, I think it was one of those shaky globes, you know, that you shake and the little snow comes in there in Jericho. And he went, and he went and hid it under his tent. Listen to me. That kind of crap hurt the whole nation. When they did it God's way, they didn't have to do nothing but keep their mouth shut, which was a miracle. March around, and God did it all for them. And they get to the next problem in their life. And it's just a little problem, but it became a major problem because it whipped their butts. Let me tell you why. Because one man hid some trinkets, literally trinkets, under his tent. Now, I want you to consider this. If it will affect a whole nation, don't you think for a minute it won't affect your family. Read and see what happened to Achan's family. Listen. God probably mad at you if you've got some of his stuff hidden under your tent. You can play with it if you want to, but I will tell you what will happen. You'll be gone from here. You'll be gone from here because I will get on your nerves so bad. I will drive you crazy. I'm the guy that says, no, let's run 10 more miles. I guess that's not a good analogy, running. I say, tell you what, let's have another piece of that pie. There you go. Birthday cake. Oh, thanks a lot for nothing. They, they bought Bethany a birthday cake for three people, and it was their picture in it. Them two and Bethany. I'm like, can't I lick the bowl? You ain't no faith no more. 
too busy dreaming about when I retire, when I get away, when I have this, and when we go there, and I can't wait to do that, instead of knowing that the house of God is where you're going to get refreshed and encouraged. You're not going to get anywhere else. Even if the people here get on your nerves, that's going to deliver you from the stuff that you need delivered from. Now watch this. You hide stuff, hide stuff under your tent and and lying to the ecclesia, lying to the Holy Ghost, saying, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen to this. Lying to your wife, lying to your husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we're tithing and stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah, we give it. Don't be a liar. Don't be a liar. Don't be a liar. Before I start complaining to God about stuff, I start checking myself. Okay, number one, do I even have faith anymore? You know, am I choked out by the, you know, have, am I tired? Is, it, is, just, is that what it is? Number two, am I, am I hiding some of God's stuff under my tent. Number three, my line to the ecclesia and the Holy Ghost. And number four, is God mad at me because I complain all the time? Have you know that becomes just the way who we are? It'll never work. It ain't going to do it. I'm not, I mean, it. We do it so much, it, it becomes the very core of who we are. We're going to complain if everything isn't perfect for our lives. Well, it's a good thing you didn't leave, live 60 years ago or 70 years ago or 50 years ago. The lifespan was only about 45 for a man. Numbers 11, I talked about it. Children of Israel, man. Here they are. They get delivered. They're free. They're out there. God's dealing with them now. He's getting that slave nature out of them. He's teaching them to trust him before they go into the promised land. Because it ain't, gonna, it ain't the promised land that we're going to. This is the promised land of milk and honey. And that's why people serve God. I mean, there milk, any milk and honey here? Oh, you're going to feed people here? I'll come. Remember years ago, I had this, I fed everybody chicken before we built the building. Man, there's people I've never known in my life coming up here. Fire trucks were coming up here. And, and I mean, people from all over getting that chicken. As long as you got some chicken for people, guess what? They'll come. Say, hey, we got, we're having a giveaway this Sunday at our church. We're going to come and give our life away. How about that? Because that, listen to me, your flesh uh, is going to hate that. But that's the only way to receive life. Oh, hear me? It's an upside-down kingdom. To, to live, you got to die. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's quoting the Bible. God hates his complaining. The children of Israel, man, let me tell you what happened. Even after the wilderness experience and all the complainers left or left dead, scattered, God, God didn't let them go any further. They crossed over. Joshua and Caleb, faith, they weren't complaining. They saw the good. And then what happened was it wasn't that generation after Joshua, guess what? They didn't serve God. They got milk and honey. Everything was good. And they did not serve God. Because they thought the whole, they were trying to make a paradise then. And all it was was a type and shadow of what we're striving for. We came to eat. They remembered how good fish. And they did say garlic, and I like garlic. Anybody like garlic and fish? I like it. How how good the lentils were, how good all that Egyptian food was. Man, it was so, they, they longed for it. They looked back like Lot's wife, and they were nostalgic about the very thing that they begged God for 400 years to deliver them from. And they forgot what living in sin is really like. And now, guess what? The good old days. Well, it wasn't this bad in the good old days. Well, you were stupider then. You were younger then. You didn't think anything could hurt you. Hello? You were so busy with everything else, you didn't realize that there were crises in the world. 
You didn't know there was problems everywhere. You didn't know that people got sick and died because in your young world, there wasn't nobody just dying on you and tragedies happening. When you get older now, guess what? i got a lot of friends and people I know who's my age. In the obituary every day, even in Ocala, boop, qualifying. The problem is many people are going to get sentenced to the second death because they keep complaining about what God and the position they're in and where God has you in your walk. Honestly, my ego and my flesh and all that, being, being in Ocala, you know, which I, I despise when I hear people say this, slow Cala. I'm going to have to move up to New York City from slow Cala. Oh, you country bumpkin, you. Slow Cala, man. Well, it is getting slow now with all the traffic. But I want, you to, I want you to try to hear me this morning. God puts us in a place. I, I had many excuses and, and complaints and stuff, and I could have left this town, and I could have gone somewhere else. But let me tell you this, that I wouldn't be in God's will. And if I'm not in God's will, if I don't live on right there where God wants me to, if I don't live, come to this house where God wants me to, if I don't think the way God wants me to, then I'm not going to get my well done. Now, there's a process of doing it, and we learn, and we grow, and we confess, and we make sure, and all that. But I'm just telling you, I think a lot of people are never going to make it. And they'll have to experience a second death because they complained about everything. Now, I've got to tell you, I've been in third world countries. I've been in, around deep poverty. I've seen poverty in this country that you probably don't, aren't even aware of. If you've not been in it. And in that poverty, there is nobody here today that's got it bad. I'm not, do, I'm not saying we don't have problems and they're not real and all that. I'm not saying that. But in the scope of everything, I have never been arrested and beat with rods preaching the gospel here in this church. I had, I've been beaten with gossip before, words and things. But I've never... I've never walked outside there and got imprisoned. Or I didn't have to sneak here and preach and then sneak out. And I never, you know, you'll hear what I'm saying. We're going to have to make sure that we, if we're going to pour this into our formula, you might better pour some of that God is good to me in that cup too. Paul tells us, he said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Listen, I'm content with it, but that don't mean that I ain't pressing for something greater. Y'all hear me? But what I'm not going to do is blame God for the situation I'm in in a world that I know that I'm probably going to have heart problems. Or if I act the fool at 65 years old in this body, jumping up and down and doing all this stuff and, and out of my boat and carrying heavy stuff, you know, I might rupture a disc. God, why didn't you touch me? I tried to tell you. I think I'd tell you that, you idiot. You're 65 years old. You're jumping up and down. You got a back problem. What does that mean? God, where are you? 1 Timothy 6 8. This one busted my chops. This one bothered me. And I think I made God mad about it. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Oh, you know, Gugu goes to my big screen TV and does this. Y'all know what I'm saying? She thinks it's an iPad. You just got greasy hands stuff all over the place. Baby, don't even clean it because she's going to do it the next day too. Yes, uh, I got to tell you, having food and raiment, let us be there with content. <laughs> but I got this. Yeah, but look what they and over there, and you know, evidently, I'm not this. 
Evidently, I'm not No, because I have ambition. I am ambitious. And in the world that we have today, ambition means lots of money and lots of people in the house of God. And if I don't have that, I'm complaining, Lord, where's everybody at, oh God? I want to tell you what, that ain't none of my business. I look for one person to give me, ultimately, to validate me. Am I doing what God told me to do? Don't listen to me. Am I walking in what God wants me to have? Is he happy with the way I'm thinking? Am I happy with God? Because if you ain't happy, if, if God ain't happy, what is it? Wifey and lifey or whatever the thing is. If wifey ain't happy, life ain't happy or something like that. Listen to what he said, Hebrews 13. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. He said, and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Nothing in this world is going to fix, fix where we are today. We may be running from it. We may go, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I mean, I really, this is no lie. I mean, every, every spring, I, I start thinking about getting a car, another car, another car. I do, it, I do it all the time. I do it, I just, I don't know what it is. I've always done it. It's like baseball. It's like I smell the grass, and, you know, it makes me want to put cleats on, you know, even at this age. But I want to make sure that I don't, not committing the sin of covetousness. I wish my wife was like, like that. I wish my husband was like that. I wish my kids were like that. I wish my house was like that. I want, and you know what? Cause, and then we, we get the house we want, guess what? We've got to have another one. We're never content. And that's a, that's a spirit of poverty. You under, listen to me. Spirit of poverty. You can be rich and have a spirit of poverty because it's insatiable. You still got to, I got to do this. Got to have that. I got to make this. I got to do this. I got to keep on. Got to have it. Got to have it. Got to have it. Got to have it. Instead of being content and having faith that God has called you there. I, God delivered me from ambition many years ago. But I've seen ambitious kill people before kill it instead of them being able just to rest in the provision of god the ram in the thicket for them this is what god has for you yeah but they got more well do they really how do you know people that make a lot more money than some people but those people who don't make as much have way more stuff they have way more time they have way more peace they have way more joy because if you and i try to go and receive beyond god's portion for us the weight of it will kill us because you don't have the grace to bear more than what he's called you to have. Y'all hear what I just said? Go ahead. It's just going to be pain and suffering. God don't want that for you. I'm going to skip through a little bit of this. I'm about done this morning. This is what you've got to grasp. We're on probation. This life right now is not the place where we're going to get everything. Well, God's going to bless. I don't care what Joel Osteen says. He don't know Yahweh's name even. Hillsong. Oh, pills on her. They they just worship and chant and and repeat over and over and over and sing these songs with the lights out. And man, it's some good stuff. But guess what? They need to put, sit their butts down and teach them the word. Now you see what's happening. The leader of them got accused of of, uh, sexual misconduct. The guy in New York. I mean, I can tell you right now, that guy in New York was nothing but carnal. Are you judging him? No, I'm judging the way he acts and looks and what he says. You're supposed to judge, Johnny. I can't judge whether Yahweh's going to say uh, well done or not, but I can judge a person's spirit, heart, actions, and attitude. I'm going to judge angels one day. What kind of angels? Those false pastors when they stand before Yeshua, and we're going to judge them. This is a training ground, guys. This is the testing center. Are you going to serve God or not serve God? Do you want to have immortality or not? Are you going to complain? Are you going to serve God? Though he slay you, you're going to trust him and do what he says. Well, if that's the case, I'm not just going to serve him then. Why should I serve him then? Well, you get over there, you'll see the difference. 
Well, I don't see any difference. I've had a guy told me this in our church. Well, I don't see any difference between the way, uh, with me uh, serving God or not serving God. <laughs> so I started laughing. He said, what's funny? I said, you just told on yourself. If you can't tell the difference, then you ain't serving him right. You ain't doing it right. <laughs> it's like, uh, is, is it wrong to say idiot? I'll tell you what. It's tough. Life's tough. But I've learned that these trials are going to come. They're going to come whether you're serving God or not serving God. People are going to die whether you're serving God or not serving God. People are going to get sick whether you're serving God or not serving God. People are going to have problems whether you're serving God or not serving God. Gas prices go up to $4.15 whether you're serving God or not serving God. Those things and those hardships, God takes them and molds us and, take, and shapes us into these strong, Yeshua-like, manifested sons of God-like individuals and when we comes and he sees that we'll know him when we see him because we're going to be just like him how many of you know that he learned obedience by the things that he say it say it you know what that means so are you when you have when you have a playboy lifestyle and playboys man i'll tell you i, I never realized how big video games were i don't think they're wrong i don't guess but when you love a video game more than you love yahweh and your wife <laughs> Is wrong. It's wrong. It's sin. And I want to tell you this this morning. It's my job to tell you because ain't nobody else probably going to do it. And if you don't want this, there's a church around the corner right here and there's a couple more downtown and one out there. They'll just kiss your butt and tell you life's going to be great for you and tell you how to live it. But that ain't what I'm going to do. You know why? Because Ezekiel 33 says that your blood is upon my hands and I'm going to answer to God for your souls. I am. You hear me? I'm going to answer to God for how you live. And I want to tell you what, we're going to get it right. It's the way, this is what this life is about. It's not about how happy we can be and how, you know, it's like the guy who was so blessed and he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to build me some bigger barns and I'm going to, and guess what? His soul was required of him that night. Better make sure it's okay with God to build a bigger barn or not. He might want all that excess that you're getting is to, to do something else with it. But we think it's ours. <laughs> I get it though, I get it. In contrast of all that, knowing that, if we constantly complain about eh, this and eh, that, then our souls are going to perish at the judgment seat. We're not going to enter the kingdom of God, and the choice is yours. You can change it and make it today. In addition of that, I want to throw this in. You should be ashamed if you're complaining about your fellow Ecclesians. Some of you think you're better than us. You ain't. I said, you ain't. You're not better than anybody in this place. Hey, what if we treated our Ecclesian family like if we treated house number two like that well we just never showed up and we never came and all that and that's and we just do that it's disrespectful and it's wrong and this is what the problem is people still don't really believe that you're going to get your well done with us and off by yourself you can't I don't know if you don't believe that I get it but you might want to consider what I'm saying this morning I think we need to take a hard, close look at ourselves, don't you? I think what we need to do is probably look under our tent. You tell where it's really at. It's really in your heart. Really look under your heart. That's God's stuff right there. That means you don't really believe that God is able to do. And if you don't believe that God's able to do, then guess what? God won't, won't do. Our own faith, our own faith is lacking. And we want to blame God that it's his problem. When he said that we have to have faith to do it. And if you don't have the faith to tithe and give in offerings, let me tell you what, you've got no faith. Money gets to the core of it, y'all. 
People say people do a lot of stuff, but money gets to the core of it. To have a, a, a heart of love and, and a joy. Look what, look what I get to give. Oh, my God. People don't have that. They're like, well, well I ain't going to be able to get that, you know, that uh, whatever. In that heart, the point today is this. In our, I, I, I want to read you something in closing. All right. Let me just do this. This is a story I read years ago in 19, I mean, it's 2008. So how many years ago is that, y'all? A long time. 14 years? No, it would be 10, 18. Yeah. There's this dude that worked at a gas station. And one lady, one day this lady drove in to get some gas. And she told the attendant there, you know, hey, well, I'm moving to town, and I, I, what are the people like here? And so the guy said, hey, you know, what, what were the people like in your town you're from? And the lady said, man, they were discourteous, thoughtless, mean, annoying. And the attendant said, well, that's probably what you're going to find. The people here are pretty much the same as the people in this town. So she thanked him and drove away. Then another lady drove into the gas station and stated that she was also moving to town and asked what the people were like. And, of course, he asked her the same question. He said, what were the people like in the previous town that, where you lived? She said, oh, they were wonderful, very courteous, thoughtful, kind, and considerate. And the attendant told that lady, well, you're going to find that the people here are pretty much the same in this town, too. Complaining is a mindset. It's a heart of unbelief. And we can't continue to love the, earth, the world and the things of the world and want to be like the world and, and think that we're successful if we do what the world have, does and has what the world has. Hey, all you got to do is watch a little bit of the Oscars to find out those people are screwed up. Huh? Oh, oh no, we're, we're entangled. You're entangled, all right, with the world. Yeah, but they got money, Johnny. Can't buy me love, baby. If we're trustworthy and loyal and helpful and friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, reverent, that's what you are, that's how you're good, what you're going to see in other people. God may be mad at you because you just think you're better than us, and you ain't. I want to tell you what, in golf you have a handicaps. So if I'm not as good of a golfer as, as coach, and he's, he, he's a two handicap that he normally shoots two over par, and I'm a ten handicap, that means I usually shoot ten over par, then when we play, I get 10 strokes, and he gets two. You know what that does? That makes me and you equal. Never happened, but handicap system makes us equal. Can I tell you, the ones that you think are the worst in this church, <laughs> they're not, you are. <laughs> they're the, they should be honored the most. People who struggle, maybe they, don't, they didn't receive free from God the ability to work hard. I'm not talking about just lazy people. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Maybe they didn't have the advantage that you think you developed on your own. I mean, I didn't get this good looking by trying. It was a gift from God. I'm her gift from God. How can I take credit for it? How can I boast and think that I'm better than a person that didn't get as many attributes as me? i got to tell you something. No wonder your life is having problems. With your arrogance and pride, God's mad at you. God's mad at you. I want to tell you something, Tina. I'm not going to make you talk, but I want to tell you something. As long as you're here on Wednesday night, I'll be here. You hear me? As long as you're here, I will be here. I will be here. I will be here, and probably when you're not. But I want to tell you, I just want you to know one person, because she's faithful every Wednesday night. You don't have much to say, but I want to tell you what. She's great in the kingdom of God, man. I will be here. You know why? Because I think you're very important. There's other people, they don't come, they don't think you're important, they don't, yeah, why about that? Y'all, calm down, simmer down, simmer down. Misery loves company, man. I'm going to tell you something, you ain't going to get me down there. 
I don't care. You can blame God, blame me. I am done defending my God. So don't call me. I'm done defending God. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know, I'm done. If you get your heart right, I'm not saying you're not going to have troubles. And if you're, if you're hurting, you call me. You need somebody to encourage you, you call me. If you just need to dump them, you can call me. But know this, God ain't the problem. He's the solution. Your sin is the problem. And we're born into it. Let's don't complicate it with our own sin. Somebody told me, well, they, they told me uh, we are talking about Adam's first sin, only one sin and all this happened. I don't think that's fair. Well, I told him, well, you've done plenty enough to cause the whole world to be sinners. You know what I mean? Well, he only did one sin. Well, you've, got, you've done enough sin that it, it's rightfully so. It warrants all of us dying and going to hell over. Hello? I mean, you know, thank the mercy of God. Let's look at ourselves today, man. Let's determine, am I a complainer? Yes! Most of us have this issue. If nowhere else but in here. If we begin to fill our, our minds full of, of faith again, and we believe that God is for us and that he has this solution to a, a sin that screwed up the whole world. My God, we could have 72 degree clear weather every day when God straightens this mess out. I'm in for that. But until then, I know it's going to rain. We're going to have, have hurricanes, tornadoes, all that kind of stuff. You know, earthquakes, you know, things are dying. Heard of paradises shrivel up. Can I tell you though, there's a day when ain't nothing going to shrivel up. The city where the lamb is the light. Oh, my God. If you determine you're a constant complainer, and if you don't, no, aren't sure, ask us. You determine in your heart today that you're going to cease to be that kind of person. I don't make God mad. That's the last person I want to make. But excuse me, I don't make mad. And you call upon the power and authority of Yahshua and Yahweh to help you become that new person who is now content with my present circumstances. I don't like them. I hate death. I hate when people are sick. I hate struggles that we have. But I want to tell you, I'm not going to turn away from the only source that was going to deliver me from all this hell that we have to put up with. I'm going to do this. I'll have to preach this next week. Well, no, I got you here now. Let's see. And, and this is like, and this was, what do we do? I always said this. You need to repent from all those things. You need to make sure that you ain't making him mad because he gets angry, y'all. Oh, he gets angry. Move back. Come here, Johnny. Get away. Move back. He'll open the earth and swallow you up. Let me tell you what he'll do. He'll make, you, you, he'll make your mind to where it can never be comforted or settled down. I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll make, you to, he'll, he'll make it to where relationships crumble. He won't get, he, he'll make those things. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read something from Reggie Brock's daddy. Reggie Brock's daddy was, a, was my pastor when I was a kid. I wish he'd listen to me today. If he does, he'd probably turn me off way before I got to this. He was the coolest dude in the world, man. I love this guy. He used to preach like this. He'd say, honey. That's right, honey. You know, I just thought he was so cool. He made me want to serve God, you know. And he was like this example of, of, a, of a man that I just really, really loved. And, and he put something in face, on Facebook this week that I wanted to read. But I think it's something that is real. He said, God never promised a calm trip. Don't give up or give in when the journey is rough and stormy. Just remember, God didn't promise days without pain, laughter without sorrow, our son without rain, but he did promise strength for the day and comfort for the tears and light for the way. And if God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. Bye.